We're back, and it's time for a spooky spot. Very good. I was going. I was wondering how long you're gonna just keep singing. Yeah. I'm sorry we missed last week. Week we missed last week because I found a dog on the side of the road. And Priorities. Yeah. Priorities. And uh, we had to find it a home. It was this big long thing. I was but, very stressed out. But we did. He, yeah. He has a home. Uh huh. He's real cute. And his family is very nice. Good. And he's only nine months old. Okay. And he has worms, but not heartworms. He has worms from eating garbage, they said. Okay, well, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But that's otherwise fixable. healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So anyways, that's where we were. But today, and this isn't really Christmas themed, but... No. You don't... You know, home for the holidays, so we're talking about home. There it is. Spooky spots. And Haunted Alabama. Yes. Yeah, so obviously our home is in Alabama. What a great connection. Good job. Yeah. So... Hannah's got some stories. I've got some stories. And then this is, there's so many stories about Alabama in Alabama that we... We'll do some separate ones. Yeah. We can do a part two. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, would you like to go first? Would I like to go first? It's just flip a coin. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors? Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Yes. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Aw. I went went with paper. She went went with scissors. scissors, Theodore stopped wallering. Like Waller in. That's yeah. the most Alabama thing you can yeah. say right now, which is perfect. So I've got some stories out of uh, a book called The Haunted South by Alan Brown. So these are the ghostly tales of the Haunted South by Alan Brown. So he talks about all sorts of places in the South. So um, if we have any listeners from Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, or Virginia... Well, let us know, and we can bring you some spooky spots I was from say, your what, hometown. Is, is the South just anything below the Mason-Dixon? Probably. Yeah. Wh- which one were you surprised about in that? Virginia? Is that what surprised you? Mm. That's technically the South. What is South Carolina on there? Yeah, she's on here. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Abbeville op- Opera Louis- House Louisiana. and the Leamington Lighthouse. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. we got to do South Carolina. Louisiana was on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Myrtle's Plantation in St. Saint Lu- uh, Louis Cemetery, oh, number one. Myrtle's Plantation is one of the haunted, most haunted places in the world. See? So. We'll do this. We'll do, like, maybe we can go state by state. Mm-hmm. It's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll kickstart this uh, series with the state of Alabama. Um, I don't know about you, but all of mine come from, like, south, south Alabama. All mine are north. Okay, perfect. Because all of yeah. mine are from, like, well, two of, I've got three. Two of mine are from Mobile. One of mine is from Mobile. Okay, and then one of mine is from a place called uh, Bay Minette, which I assumed was down like near the coast because of the because of Bay. Mm-hmm. And it, I just I looked it up and it was like thirty five minutes outside of Mobile. There you go. So apparently, Mobile's got some some history to mm-hmm. it. Um, all right. So first, I will tell you about. I'll save my favorite for last. How about that? Okay. Okay. Because um, I've, I've got three. So I'm going to tell you about the D.A.R. house. So D.A.R. is the Daughters of the American Revolution house. Oh. Um, so this goes all the way back to the mid-1800s. And it goes back to this house from before it was the D.A.R. house. So originally it was um, the house of a steamboat captain named Captain Charles G. Richards. And he actually wasn't from Alabama. He was from Maine. So that's a little different. Well, steamboat captain from Maine. He marries a woman named Carline Elizabeth Steele in 1842. And they um, started growing their family. And obviously, 
as his family grew, he kind of was not as excited about the life of a riverboat man. Um, I think they had like 10 kids. And so just can't fit all of them on a steamboat. And, you know, just like all the travel, I think finally got to him. So they started to settle down. He set up a um, shop as a dry goods merchant. So still kind of in like the trade uh, arena. Yeah. Um, so they bought a big house in 1860 and um, obviously started filling that large house with all of their kids. They had 10 children and, I mean, obviously lots of fun, lots of playing, all of that. But um, with the birth of their 11th child, tragedy struck and Caroline passed away during childbirth. So, As most children did back then? The mom. Oh. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. So apparently, or like, yeah, just so everybody was the, dying. The ten, the ten, you know, the the eleven kids lived, but the the mother passed away in childbirth. Mm. Um, so his house had the, so the house has some backstory to it, but it was eventually bought by the Daughters of the American Revolution in 1973, and they converted it into a museum. Um, so 1800s then to 1973, and. Pretty soon, people started reporting um, strange sounds, um, things like kids laughing, um, whispers whenever they were going up and down the stairs. So people began to do a little bit of research back into the the Richards family, Captain Richards family. It's old Caroline, isn't it? Yes. Well, so there's actually three ghosts. There, oh, there's three okay. different ghosts that are said to haunt the house. One of them they believe is Caroline. So there are people who have reported seeing a blonde woman in the windows, specifically on the second floor of the house. And people think that she is like on the second floor, like watching after her kids playing in the yard. Okay. Um, the other one is the kids themselves. So people report um, hearing footsteps or uh, soft whispers, specifically at the top of the stairs, which is where like one of the children's favorite places to play was at the very top of the stairs, which sounds ominous there, but there's no story of like, it's not, it's not the safest place. Right. There's no story of like a kid falling down the stairs or anything. Um, and then the third ghost that is said to haunt the place is, um, Captain Richards himself. So, um, they have, they, there have been reports of, um, people seeing him like just sitting on the sofa, um, making noises he's probably token on a big old stogie probably um well i think the spookiest story that this uh book recounts is um in 2007 so so fairly recently you know from the 1800s to 2007 so 2007 a group of paranormal investigators went to do an experiment because all because of all the rumors they had been hearing so they took some marbles you know, any, any, any you want to child. Mm-hmm. So they took some marbles and they put the marbles on a bed and, you know, apparently did the whole, like, if there's spirits in here, move these marbles type Why of thing. Why would you put them on a bed? That's I don't know. They were, or they were in one of the bedrooms. Oh, okay. Like one, one of the bedrooms. Um, so apparently they waited a few minutes, nothing happened. So then one of them took out a red marble and set it in the middle of the bed. And they, they said, you know, if this, if, if anyone's here, if you move these marbles, we'll leave. Because they thought, well, maybe they're upset that we're here, and that's why they're not doing it. So then apparently that red marble rolled a few inches on its own. And so the ghost hunters were like, proof, we got it. And so they left and for like a little bit to celebrate. I don't know. They were planning on coming back. But they left all of their stuff there, like the marbles included. 
And they said that um, when they came back to like gather all their supplies, that the red marble was gone. Oh, the so, color red. I know. Of course, yeah, I feel like Blood. there's some like, yeah, they didn't play with the blue marbles. But maybe they the kids with were the just like, marble. you don't play with marbles on a cushy yeah, maybe, surface. Yeah, maybe put them on we're the gonna, floor. Yeah, we're going to put these away because this is a dangerous hazard at mm-hmm. the top of the stairs. They weren't yeah. at the top of the stairs, but they were in a bedroom. Um, so that was a, a group of like paranormal activity, ghost hunters, if you will. Which I am often skeptical of them because they're looking for something. So, like, you mm-hmm. know that they're going to your brain will trick you. find something. Yeah. But this house also had a tour guide for the DAR. Like, so she was a member of the DAR and would give tour guides. And she also recounts having ghostly experiences. So, honestly, I feel like I kind of trust her experiences a little more because she's there for the, like, historical importance of the DAR. Not to, like, gain you know, notoriety or anything from ghost hunting. Right. So her name was Mary Ruth Andrews, and she has reported several different unusual situations. One, she um, heard a really loud banging sound that, like, scared her, like, half to death. And then she goes into the room, and the only thing she found was a candle that had tipped over, which was obviously, like, a candle falling over is not going to make a sound loud enough to, like, frightened just just shocked her right out of her knickers right right. so she thought that that was something unusual then another morning um she said she saw a strange man sitting on a sofa as one does right and um then of course like when she does and she thought well maybe like a somebody's coming to tour the house super early and so she like checked the clock and kind of like when she did a double take after kind of gathering herself, the, that person was gone. So she thinks that it was the ghost of Captain Richard. Had to be. Um, so You're just taking a load off. So I kind of trust her judgment maybe perhaps a little bit more because she's one who's like there in the house all the time, not this person coming in for one thing. Um, it sounds legit. And then the other one is the, the wife that we talked about where um, there have been, again, the tour guides of the DAR house like one one lady pulled up and she like saw a blonde haired woman in the window of the second floor and she thought oh like the other this is the other tour guide that I'm having to like um you know tap in Mm -hmm. or exchange shifts with and when she got there um she was like I'm here she opened the door and was like I'm here like you can head out and nobody responded to her and then she looks out the window like 10 minutes later and she sees another tour guide coming in and she realized so when the lady got here she was mm. like when the lady walked in she was like were you were you upstairs like did you go upstairs and then come back outside for no. any reason and the lady said no i just got here and then her response was i was afraid you'd say that mm. chills so, oh caroline creeping around i know so there's um that is the haunted house of the d-a-r down in Mobile, Alabama. We should just go to Mobile and hit up some of the multiple of these spots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because apparently there's tons down south. Mm-hmm. Which, ironically, that one was not haunted because of anything of the, like, war-related. That mm-hmm. None of that was, like, DAR, actual DAR war-related. They just happened to inherit a haunted house. Yeah. Because of all the kids. Mm-hmm. There you go. I like that one. There's haunted spot number one. Okay. You want to trade off? You want yeah. me to go? You want to go back and forth? Yeah. Let me get... We'll do a little trade. Sometimes when I hold my phone close to the microphone and it makes that sound, that's why I was like trying to find she the She threw it spot. on the ground. Yeah. Well, this next thing isn't necessarily a haunting, but it involves the supernatural, if you will. So 
This is when UFOs visited the tiny town of Fife, Alabama. You know Fife? I do not. Fife? Mm-hmm. Fife is a small town in the northeast of Alabama next to Fort Payne. Okay. Fort Payne, I know Fort Alabama. Yeah. You know. So we just went from like bottom left of Alabama to like top, top right. right. Mm-hmm. Very pretty. And we're like smack dab in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Northeast Alabama up in the mountains is very pretty. Anyways, it small town, population 963 people, so very tiny. Mm-hmm. And there happened to be this occurrence of UFOs, so I'm going to tell you about it. So the day before Valentine's Day in 1989, a local woman calls in to report a strange lighted object flying in the sky. And two officers, Police Chief Charles Garmany and Assistant Police Chief Fred Works, responded to the call. Is it common for, like, the chief of police to respond to calls? Probably not, but I imagine if you're in that small oh, of a town. There's, those are just the only two guys working. I mean, like, you, you go small enough where you're, like, you, you're, Mayb- you're Mayberry-ish small, then yeah. you've, got, you've only got two police officers. Right. You've got the and sheriff. Speaking and the, of Mayberry, the, five, 45. Oh, my gosh. I wonder mm-hmm. if it, Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to assume that since they're super small that, and because this is probably an unusual call, mm-hmm. like, I think if it's a really unusual call, they send out the big wigs. But if you're in, like, a tiny town, then. Yeah. That might just be the only two people working. Or they might have been, like, nine- sweet. Yeah, right. That sounds fun. UFOs. As soon as they began to drive down what is now known as County Road 43, they too began to notice the strange lights in the sky. So to get a better look, they pull over to the side of the road, they step out of their patrol car, and it is there that they see floating above their heads what they would later describe as a triangular metallic object that was, quote, bigger than a jumbo jet, and it was hovering there silently. A jumbo jet. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. big. Over the next two days, around 50 people, which was about 2.5% of the population there in Fife, reported seeing the same thing. The object was described as hovering at an angle from 1 o'clock to 7 o'clock. I don't know what that means, but that's how multiple people <laughs> described. I guess I guess like from in the, the sky, right, like when you're looking. Yeah, from the right to the bottom left. Yeah. From northeast to yeah. southwest. Yeah. Never eat soggy waffles. I have to do I that say, every I time. I never eat soggy wheats. Really? Yeah. Never eat soggy wheats. Both apply, but yeah. I have to do that in my head every time too. to get the direction. Anyway, yeah. and this uh, hovering object also had these bright lights at the top and the bottom, and the curvature of the object was outlined in green with a bright light directly in the center. Sounds like something just straight up out of an old Hollywood, sci-fi. Uh, yeah, yeah, like Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. But to further corroborate, cor- corroborate, mm-hmm. Carabas, mm-hmm. you've been there? Mm-hmm. It's a delicious restaurant. Mm-hmm. But to, to further corroborate this story, law officers from nearby Crossville and Geraldine also reported seeing the mysterious flying object. So Chase's entire family is from Crossville, which is probably even smaller than Fife. So I thought at the end of the story, we could call his grandmother Ooh. and see what she knows about these she, UFOs. Would she, I mean, I, I forgot what date you said. Would she have been alive during this? Uh-huh. <gasps> she has lived there her entire life, and this was in 1989. So, yeah. What if she's, she's like 88, did, Didn't you say what, like 50% of the population reported that they saw yeah. it? Or no, 50 people, which was 2.5% of the population. Oh, I got that back. Mm-hmm. I got that number backwards. I thought you said 50% of the population reported yeah. seeing that, and I was going to be like, all right, that's pretty, like... That's pretty, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But we'll call her and see what see she knows. See if she's part of the 2.5%. Mm-hmm. 
So these reports soon flooded the media, and the little town of Fife was inundated with hundreds of news agencies and visitors who wanted in on the action. Just a small town, of course. Uh, little city, and then all of these people from the surrounding, even surrounding states were coming to see these UFOs. So one fast-thinking entrepreneur even began selling T-shirts that said, quote, I survived the Fife UFO. And if I you have one of these, was just about to say we need that shirt. I need to look on Etsy. We need. I don't. We need to just sell them ourselves. I, I know. We just. Mm-hmm. Yep. We just, just need to put on. We a need to go to Five because somebody probably does sell them. No, uh, for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. And if in Five, if you're listening and somebody's not selling them, I think you've got a you missed opportunity. You've got an opportunity mm-hmm. here. Yep. So the New York Times even covered the story, and I was going to read and we hold New, my mic for New two York seconds. Times. Yeah. That's big. That's big stuff. Not, not a whole lot of Alabama makes it to the New York Times, no. unless it's college football or something embarrassing. Here we go. Here, right. here she goes. I found it. The New York Times. It says Fife, comma Alabama. The prospect of seeing a UFO lured more than four thousand people to this town of thirteen hundred. So that's a different. They have a different population there than what I found online. But oh. This was a population then. It's gotten even smaller now. It's gotten down oh. to like nine something. Uh-huh. All those, all, they've all been abducted by aliens. Yeah, probably. Um, 1300 in Northeast Alabama Friday night. But for all the hoopla, love the word hoopla, no unidentified <laughs> flying objects were sighted. Visibility was difficult because of clouds and light rain. Fife got on the UFO circuit February 10th when a woman reported seeing a strange light in the sky and the police later reported seeing a large lighted object passing silently over them. Numerous other sightings have been reported since then. Can I just say I love that they call it the UFO circuit? Yeah. <laughs> like it's this like thing. There's this circuit of mm-hmm. like UFO sightings. And uh, let me re-pull up my notes here. La, la, la. Okay. So, yeah. It was so popular that New York Times covered the story. Um, and this was... Although the, they did, like, they were like... They were like, this isn't real. Yeah. They, they were just jelly. They were like, yeah, we didn't see anything. Yeah. But we're here to report. This was the biggest UFO story in the U.S. since the Roswell incident in 1947. So that's saying a lot. Interesting. Of course, the critics had their say as well. Some said the object was a government plane, while others mm-hmm. said it was a weather balloon, mm-hmm. which was the same situation in Roswell. People were saying it was a weather balloon. However, the weather balloon theory had been debunked because the National Scientific Balloon Facility reported that they had ended their experiment a year earlier. So it wasn't. So they were like, it's not a us. weather balloon. I don't even know what a weather balloon is, I don't but either. it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. That's that. not what it was. This wasn't a one-time occurrence either, because for the next several weeks, the mysterious flying object could be seen between 6 and 11 p.m. almost nightly. For just a couple of weeks, it would appear, and then, you know, they had work to do, those aliens. I, I guess so. They were on night shift. Mm-hmm. What do they know about Fife that we don't know? Exactly. I don't know. We need to go visit Fife and see what's, what's up. Yeah. So the town now celebrates their claim to fame by hosting the annual Fife UFO Days... But in this case, UFO stands for Ultimate Family Outing. Oh. Yeah. This event includes craft vendors, live music, and a hot air balloon festival. Maybe that maybe it was a hot air balloon. It could have been. But till this day, people go up to the mountains of Fife in search of this elusive UFO. And although it is the UFO capital of Alabama, Unidentified Flying Objects Theodore... He's scratching his face, sorry. Unidentified Flying Objects... Uh, 
have also been reported in Moundville, which I could see. Mm-hmm. We could also do a whole episode on Moundville. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hayden Mountain and Tuscaloosa Roll Tide, home of the University oh, of Alabama. Okay. So the Mutual UFO Network, also known as MUFIN, ranks Alabama in the top 20 states with the highest number of UFO sightings. Okay. Yeah, we're up there. I did not realize that about mm-hmm. us. So now I thought we should call Chase's grandmother, I hope, Sadie. I hope she, she answers is and one knows. of that 2.5 or less than 5% that that's yeah. all. First okay. of all, let me just preface this with this is the sweetest woman in the entire world. She is a literal saint. And I've put her on speakerphone at work before, and she's just made people cry just by being so sweet. I, so here we go. I love it. This will be an experience Sadie, of a lifetime. Sadie Bruce, let's see. She's not going to expect this. She might not answer. Might be taking a good old nap. Oh, I hope she does. Does she have any idea you're calling her? No. You didn't t- you didn't forewarn her? No. Maybe she won't answer now, but she'll answer in a second. And, and we can, you can just we can keep going put it here, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> was anticlimactic what okay she didn't have a voicemail set up no girl she's got a flip phone okay we'll keep your phone out in case she calls us back i will because i want to know maybe we can do a little a little clip and edit and put her back put her back in here we'll do it um well i really hope she calls and i really hope she like remembers seeing it she 100 does do do you know the math how old she would have been during that time i think she's 88 now Okay. So she, if that was in 19, what did I say? 79 or 89, 1989, then math. Mm-hmm. Math. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'll figure so it out. So, so we're in 2022, right? Uh-huh. She's 80. If she's 88, that means 1934. So 1989 minus 140 or 50 somewhere mm-hmm. in there okay well hopefully she uh gives us a ring back yeah are you, are you ready for my second story i am um so you have probably like most people heard of the uss alabama correct mm-hmm. um so we are back in mobile I told you a lot of my stories come from down south so this is a world war ii era battleship it is probably one that every like child in in school in Alabama has at mm-hmm. some point studied. Although I don't know if they've studied some of the ghosts of the USS Alabama. They're missing out. They're missing out. So um, a little backstory for this boat. It was christened on August 16th, 1942. It was involved in some of the fiercest sea battles in World War II, including the Battle of Late Gulf on October 25th, 1944. Okay. Um it also experienced a typhoon in December of 1944. Not anywhere near here, I wouldn't think. No, I would assume not. Um, and it shot down two planes from the Japanese fleet on May 4th, 1945. You're damn right it did. So, um, the Mighty A is what it was known as, and it was eventually decommissioned on January 9th, 1945. Um, so, she had a good... She had a good run. She had a good run. She had a good enough run to, for her, her to end up in a bunch of the um, school textbooks. So, um, 
I think because of this, uh, a group of Alabama school children actually raised over $100,000 uh, to save the old battleship from demolition in 1964. So I guess part of it's like, I mean, you can't save every relic or every historical doc, you know, item as a monument. Um, and a battleship would have been big, but some kids were... Uh, they in, did the dang thing. They did. They were enthusiastic about it enough to save it. So it ends up, it's now in... The Battleship uh, Memorial Park in Mobile, Alabama. So you can still go today and see it. Um, but some of the stories that maybe didn't make it to the textbook involve some ghosts of the battleship. Which, but there's a, it's it's interesting to me that they aren't exactly connected to like any of the major battles that they were involved in. Of course not. Right. Um, so one of the unfortunate incidents that happened on the on the boat was eight sailors died as a result of a friendly fire incident. So uh, one of the gun mounts had accidentally fired on another one, and it ended up killing some of the sailors. Um, it killed eight of them. One of the sailors, or the gun commander um, of the opposite gun that it fired at, they report all that was left of him was his boots. Oof. So it was pretty bloody, um, just unfortunate that it was a friendly fire and not from yeah that's almost worse that's what i'm saying is like that's probably why they didn't put in textbooks they're probably like mm -hmm. that's embarrassing mm -hmm. um so a lot of the the ghost activity from this is said to be from this incident um people have heard footsteps throughout the ship especially close to the sleeping quarters um visitors have also heard strange like popping or tapping sounds um, and then some have even been like hit with this very sudden, overwhelming like sense of sadness when they're walking through the ship, kind of like an unexplainable thing. Mm -hmm. Which is pretty sad to be shot, blown up to the point that you're only the only things left are your shoes, right? But with I also your tibia feel like, sticking out. But I also feel like if you're visiting like a World War II memorial, yeah. there's going to be that weird mixture of like sadness and mm -hmm. patriotism all wrapped into one. Mm -hmm. um, there have been said to be at least two full-bodied apparitions that have made their its appearance on the USS Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is supposed to be the cook. He people reported seeing him cooking. I meals. don't know why, but I thought that right then I just had it in my mind that you were going to say one of them was Elvis Presley. <laughs> yes. Or one of them was Bear Bryant. Yes. No. None of no. Uh, it well, one was a cook. Okay. Apparently, the you know the. The cook of the, of the ship of the old <laughs> ship, the galley. He stick he stick around. Uh huh. He's just cooking for all those mm. souls that he lost in the friendly fire incident. Um, the other one is the spirit of a blonde sailor. Maybe he's one that died in the friendly fire accident, but um, he apparently is a little bit of a prankster. He apparently is the which ghost is little the prankster. Loki. Yeah, or which ghost is the prankster in Harry Potter? Oh, um, Peeves. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, he there's one story of him stealing a woman's earrings from her while she was walking through the sleeping quarters. Mm -hmm. um, a little pocket, a little pit, yeah, a little pickpocket there for you. So, probably why it didn't make it into the textbooks is because it's they it really has nothing to do with um, the actual battles that it was part of. Right. Well, but the battles, I, the friendly fire. Yeah, it was just the unfortunate friendly fire incident. That is Where we just malfunctioned on ourselves. Yeah. There you go. Well, sometimes yep. it happens. Yeah. So they kept that one out of there. Okay. I haven't been to the USS Alabama. Should I don't know if I have. I probably have. I, I've like, go 
I grew up going down like to the beach down there, but yeah, I don't remember ever touring it. Yeah. Put it on the list. Well, taking a sharp right turn, where literally, because now we're going up north to Huntsville. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about the Huntsville's Dead Children's Playground. Uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Not the Space and Rocket Center. Uh, Completely yeah. two different things. Yeah. Well, the actual name of this playground is Maple Hill Park, which sounds lovely. It does. And it, but it's located right outside the wall of Maple Hill Cemetery. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. The playground is set in a small alcove below a roadway and surrounded by natural rock walls and trees, which makes the little area area eerily dark. Mm. The legend behind the hauntings dates back to at least 100 years, claiming that the children buried in the adjoining cemetery use the playground as their eternal play place. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice thought. Yeah. It is said that the majority of the child spirits are those who died in the Spanish flu epidemic from 1918 to 1919. I like those pictures or videos on the news that were like, this person survived the Spanish flu and COVID, like yeah. these 100-year-olds. Yeah. So near the end of World War One, a pandemic, which started in Spain, hence the name, the Spanish mm-hmm. flu, spread across the world, killing an estimated 20 to 50 million people. As of December 4th, 2022, it is estimated, uh, and I just, this is a fun, not a fun fact. <laughs> Golly. That was a, it's, it's that was a, a, foot mo- a shocking fact. Yeah, a okay. shocking fact. Right Startle, now, they, startling statistics. Right now, they have COVID deaths at 6,646,124 people. And the Spanish flu was 20 to 50. But I didn't see if, no, 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 that was worldwide. Yeah, so that number, so the Spanish flu killed way more apparently than COVID. Eventually, the Spanish flu made its way to America, first hitting Kansas and then Alabama. So that seems so random. Kansas yeah. first, yeah. Don't you don't you feel like it would be like a one of the outer edges? You it know what I mean. Just a bird. Kansas is like smack dab in the middle, right? <laughs> that's what it. I know. I'm just, I just telling you what I read. I know. I just that's yeah. Just, I ge- also geographically that, was that seems weird. very random. <laughs> Just blame it on like Kansas. Like passed over all of like yeah. the east part of the country. Yeah. Okay. That's how pandemics work. Hannah. I don't know if you no, know. No, there's no rhyme or reason to them. <laughs> Huntsville was ground zero for the outbreak in Alabama. So, in October of 1918, Dr. Walker Booker England Sr. diagnosed the first person with the flu. That patient's brother, a soldier, had just come to visit and was thought to have brought the disease to the area. Mm. This patient zero, um, as we now call them, had just been out the previous day selling beef in the Lincoln Village area of Huntsville. That's unfortunate. So just everybody, spread it on everybody, everybody. everybody. Beef. Mm-hmm. Dr. Walker Booker England, godly what a senior, name. he died several days later on October 12th, 1918. That's how fast it got you. Oh, and Think, that's bad news if the doctor dies. Yeah. You ever play that game Mafia? No. Where like you've got a you've got a character, you've got the the killer, the victim, the police officer, and the doctor, mm-hmm. and like as the as the game keeps going on, the doctor can save people. But if if the doctor dies, yeah, you're screwed. The game ends very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I imagine I can that's see that. kind of how this. They now have a board game. It came out before COVID, and it was called Pandemic, which is now. It came out before COVID. Yeah, yeah I remember seeing it for a long time. So. Maybe we should play that's that a little, and yeah, That's a little creepy. So things became so bad in Huntsville that the city was placed under a curfew similar to... Been what there, done that. Happened recently, yeah. 
Doctors of the time described the severity of the illness by stating you could catch it in the morning and be dead by night. Yikes. Yeah. Um, an amount of those affected were, um, excuse me, the majority of those affected were children and their small bodies. Obviously it's harder for them to heal and recover from or fight off the infection. So tiny coffins were having to be made in record numbers and the majority of the children were buried in Maple Hill Cemetery, now known as Dead Children's Cemetery. There is one other explanation for the ghost children at Maple Hill, and that is, according to legend, in the mid to late 1950s, a killer abducted three children in the Chapman Mountain area of Huntsville, killing two of them, and the killer is said to have buried the two bodies on the hill overlooking the playground. The third child supposedly escaped and reported the man to the police. And witnesses report hearing... Oh, so... That, that's what happened there. They're mm-hmm. saying that the playground is just haunted by those children, mm-hmm. not the ones that died in the Spanish flu. Witnesses now report hearing the sounds of children playing there at night, even though the space is seemingly empty, and swings will move to and fro on their own as if propelled by a human, which reminds me of Are You Afraid of the Dark, the theme mm-hmm. the theme song. Mm-hmm. It had that, that swing swinging back and forth and just scare me mm-hmm. and make me pee the bed at night. But also, like, the wind? Do we ever... I mean... Yeah, but it was like a lot of okay. swing. You know okay. what I mean? There's a difference yeah. between it moving a little bit and then it yeah. moving to and fro. Yeah. Today, if you visit the park, it is not uncommon to find ver- uh, satanic graffiti and witches' spells graffitied all over the place. And people believe that these people went there to summon the dead. It is also a rite of passage for the local teens in the area to visit there at night to prove their bravery. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in the late 1990s and early 2000s, crime in the area made the playground very unsafe, so the mayor at the time decided to remove all playground equipment, which outraged the locals who fought to have it returned. And this eventually saved the park and resulted in a new playground. I was so about to say, so the now... The ghost children got a okay, new yeah. play... They probably don't know what to do with the new play, the new technology. Probably. But, you know, maybe the, the kids these days are showing them. There you go. How how creepy would it be if you just look over and like your little kid's like Johnny, come down the slide like this, and there's no one behind. Oh, take your kid there. Take or he, him or in they're there. just like swinging on the swing, <laughs> and the swing next to them is empty, and it's just swinging, yeah. and he's just like ha ha ha. Or, or he's just like acting like somebody's pushing. He's like push me higher, yeah. Johnny. Push me higher. Yep. Nobody's back there. Mm-hmm. I digress. So not far away from the park in downtown Huntsville, specifically on Walker Avenue, it is said that you can hear the children singing a song from that area, the dead children, that is. And the song was, this was so clever. I was honestly proud of Alabamians back then. It said, I had a bird and its name was Enza. I opened the window and it flew Enza. (laughs) Wow. Get it? Uh Get it? So this is a song that parents taught their children to teach them to keep the windows closed because they believed that the influenza was just blowing in from the streets. Also, not a proud moment there, but yeah. Um, if you <laughs> anyway, if it you pl- we need to put that on a shirt. Flew Enza. I had a, I had a bird. bird, and its name was Enza. I opened the window, and it and in uh, excuse me, I messed it up. And in flew, flew Enza. Enza. There you go. Okay. But if you had a bird, she wouldn't be flying in. She would be flying out. Right. It would be in outfluenza, but... That doesn't work. No. I'm going to start calling the influenza the outfluenza. The outfluenza. Hey, that's what we need. Get it out of here. 
If you plan on visiting the park, keep in mind that it closes at sunset these days, and the Huntsville Police Department frequently patrol the area, especially on Halloween. That's when the kids mm. like to mm-hmm. up their shenanigans. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's the Dead Children's Park. Lovely. Lovely. And influenza. And, and outfluenza. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one more for you. Okay. Yeah. I have one more for you. Perfect. A tip for tap. Tit for tat. Tittle tattle. Spittle um, spattle. I am still down south. I'm mm-hmm. still down. I'm, cl- I'm 35 minutes uh, away from Mobile at this point in a place called Bay Minette. I told you I was saving my favorite for last. Okay. That's because this one takes place in a library. Uh, I thought you were going to say, and this one takes place in a dog park. No, that that's probably your, that would be your favorite yeah. location. Um, but that, I can't Animal imagine. Cemetery. Yeah. Stephen pet King. Theodore. Pet, we used it's called stop. Pet Cemetery. Right? It's not called Animal Cemetery, is it? Pet Cemetery. That's true. Yeah. Um, we need to get Chase to do an episode on that. Yeah. He would be good at that. So, obviously, libraries, I think, do rank fairly high on um, haunted places in the United States, mm-hmm. like schools, libraries, hotels. We've talked about some of these. Um, I think part of it is because, you know, it's there's lots of history in there in terms of all the books that are in there. It's also kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. And, Lots of hidden corners and places like that. Lots of places to die, yes. unexpectedly. Yes, sure. Die from wow. boredom, die from stress. Yeah, because you're studying for exams, mm-hmm. which I'm gonna is actually the season the we're all in. Yes. Shout out to all my students who are I just said yes, like I was still a student. I'm I know. Not. Um, the li- I'm going to go to the Hoover, Hoover Library right after this. So. Are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, watch out for the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the ghost haunting at the Bay Minette Public Library. So... The first librarian was um, a woman named Anne Gilbert. She started working there in 1922, and the library was housed in a rented courtroom or a rented room from the courthouse square. So it was like they a weren't one even, room, a library. one room library. Yep, 1922. Nice. Um, then in 1930, the city council gave the library their own permanent home in a one-story colonial building. Okay. On land donated by someone named Hampton D. Ewing. So we went from a one room situation to now we've got a one story little building. Okay. Upgrade. Um, part of this was due to the financial assistance from the Works Progress Administration. Um, and Mrs. Gilmer was thankfully able to keep the library open during the Great Depression. Oh. So she was doing Very a good, good job. She was doing a good thing, Miss Gilmer. Then on, on October 4th, 1943, um, she was replaced by Pearly Overstreet. So this is a new librarian. I don't know. I need. I should have done a little bit more digging on what happened to her. There kind of wasn't a whole lot about. Like I don't. I don't know if she just passed away. Probably. Or nineteen twenty is not a long lifespan. Right. Then. But it, but I don't think it doesn't make it sound like it was anything suspicious or anything. Mm. So um, even though she was gone, people still reported feeling her presence at the library. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a few years. So in the early nineteen nineties. We are still getting reports of her. Um, the new director of the library, Charlotte Jones Robertson, she was walking through the stack of books when she saw a book slowly inch itself off of the shelf and then fall mm. to the floor. And then when she went and picked the book up, she noticed that it was a book that had been put in the wrong place. Oh, okay. So she just, little. Uh, what was the first lady's name? Um, Anne. Anne Gilbert. Anne was just cleaning house. She was. So like it so the the theory is that Anne was going and like fixing all the books that were in the wrong spot. Yeah. Um so she continues walking down and there's like she keeps finding books on the floor and they're all 
books. So they're not random books. They're Mm -hmm. all books that were like shelved in the wrong place or in the wrong section or in the wrong alphabetical order. Well, Pearl better clean it up. Whoever this newest librarian was. So I love that. Yeah. Um, so there, so that's kind of one instance. Um, other instances of Miss Gilbert um, still kind of being around were at one point they had moved her portrait. So I guess they had like a portrait of her in the library. And at one mm-hmm. point they had taken it down for some renovations. And supposedly when they put it back up behind the counter or like behind the main desk, um, people reported smelling the sweet smell of roses mm-hmm. and um, Charlotte, the library director had said that she and other workers, they always smelled roses whenever something good happened. And like, if they got like an increase in budget or if they got like a big funding for books or whatever. And so when they moved her portrait back, they could smell this, like, I guess she smelled like roses in her day. I guess so. So, so they kind of attribute all these good things happening to her and they would have this big, weird, like aroma of roses. Um, Then one final story from this is that eventually the library got another upgrade because it outgrew that like one story Mm -hmm. building. And when Charlotte was packing up the books, and again, this is in the 90s, um, 1990s. So she was packing up the books and she just told Mrs. Gilmer's ghost that she was welcome to come to the new library with them. So Mm -hmm. she just kind of made like a blanket announcement Mm -hmm. to a wall to the the library as she's packing it up. And then when she's in the new spot, um, it was late one evening, and so now they're in a two-story building, and she was on her op- in her office that was on the second floor, and she um, was the only one there, and she heard the elevator, like, ding, and then, like, the elevator came up to her floor, mm-hmm. and nobody got on or off the elevator the doors just open and they close and nobody got on or off i don't love that and she was the only one there Mm -hmm. and then she even the next day like called an electrician to come and examine the elevator and say like is there anything wrong with it like would the elevator just randomly go off by itself is there like a short somewhere and he couldn't find anything wrong with it he said the elevator was perfectly fine so she took that as her sign that Anne came right on along with her Anne gilmore was just in the new spot that's very sweet yeah. Look, if I'm going to haunt something, I want to haunt a library. Yes. Yeah. I w- I, yeah. You're going to haunt a dog park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just dog farm. Dog farm. But uh, I was th- I was thinking while you were telling that story, it would be like the Hoover Library, for mm-hmm. instance, which is humongous. Mm-hmm. If they had to move that library, I don't know how they would go about moving all those books. Yeah. That is... But this was just like, they went from a one-story... Yeah. Right. Spot. But if it was any bigger... Even that, that's yeah. a lot of books. Books are heavy. No, I know, I know. Oh, I know. When we had to move houses, uh huh. I unfortunately have accumulated a couple of them. Right, I've seen your yeah the bookcases. I'm trying to go. I'm house. trying to go Kindle now, for, purely for the sake of space. I prefer. I was going to say, I prefer hard. I prefer a hardback. Like I prefer holding a book in my hand. But for sake of space, I'm actually I'm I'm loving audiobooks right now. Sorry, Ann Gilmore, you're probably rolling over in your grave at yeah. that. But I do love a good audiobook. Mm. I um, love the library, and that's where I'm going after here. So well, watch out for – if you see know. any random books on the floor, pick it, pick it up and just see if it's if it's been misplaced. Yeah. Maybe there's a I maybe there's a, a dead librarian that's haunting the Hoover I Public I hope library. not because I'm there frequently. Mm, well, anyway, 
Uh, we're going to stay in the south for this last story, but we're still going to take a sharp right turn. Okay. okay. <laughs> we're going to talk. This made me so proud to be from Alabama. Oh, gosh. About the wolf woman of Mobile. The wolf woman. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard of a wolf type yeah. character being a woman. You yeah, know what I mean? She's normal, They're normally, normally males. Yeah. So in Mobile in the 1970s, the local newspaper received more than 50 calls with eyewitnesses accounting their story of a wolf woman. They, this was apparently a creature with the lower half of a dog or wolf and the upper half of a woman. Very centaurish. Uh, yeah. One and woman described the creature as, quote, a woman and a wolf, pretty and hairy. Oh, pretty. Uh-huh. Okay. Pretty, pretty on the top, hairy mm-hmm. on the bottom. Okay. That, mm-hmm. Keep I'm going. Just keep going. Yeah, I didn't think about <laughs> that before moving. I said it. So. <laughs> the Mobile Press Register released a hand-drawn rendering of the wolf woman with uh, the headline. I can only imagine. With the headline, would you believe? And see, this is a picture of it. It only has three legs. <laughs> Wait. It's missing her, she's missing her front leg. No, no, she's <laughs> she's, she's got her, she's doing this. No, yes, you is. can't do that with a sh- with a dog leg I'm in the front. They you, can't I, bend their arm backwards. I'm, sho- Let me see. I'm showing you right there. That is her elbow okay. and her hand. She's stroking her hair. We'll post this online. Oh, you see, no. she, she, but that's what she's doing. She's but she doing has this. breasts. Look. Yeah, but well, how, that's what. But how? Imagine Theodore right here bending his arm back I'm and trying to comb saying. his hair. Yeah, she does have. <laughs> she does have some yeah. big old boobs. She does. So they posted this picture with the title, Would You Believe? Soon, the surrounding neighborhoods flew into a panic because there was this wolf woman running around. One teen reported to the paper, quote, My daddy saw it down in the marsh, and it chased him home. Mm-hmm. Now my mama keeps all the doors and windows locked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because window, I mean, not window girl, wolf girl can apparently crawl through windows, I guess. Mm, sure. Along with influenza. <laughs> Outfluenza. Outflew the, the wolf girl. Yep. The newspaper wasn't the only place getting flooded with calls. The local police department received so many reports that they had to open an official investigation. Like, they couldn't just check it out. It was like, like, oh, I'm so sorry, buddy. (laughs) I just slammed my foot on the floor, and Theodore levitated off the ground. I'm sorry, buddy. Okay, now he's doing... He's like, wolf girl, where's she at? Um, Let's see. I scared myself. Where were we? (laughs) So the police department actually had to look into this because they feared that it was likely just an animal stalking residents, not a mythical creature. That's a lot of people that that's enough, got that That's wrong. enough to be, yeah, alarming. Yeah. The investigation centered around Davis Avenue and the plateau area where most sightings of the monster r- were reported. But after a detailed search, the police were never able to find the creature or any signs of its presence like footprints, hair, anything like that. And soon the story of the wolf woman faded into Alabama folklore. So what did the people really see that day? It is likely that the first reports came in around April 1st. So what do we know about April 1st? April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. Day. There's that. All these years later, the mystery surrounding the wolf woman still remains. But keep in mind that the legend of werewolves is a long-held belief in European and Native American cultures. Oh. So, in European legend, and we, we're going to have to do a whole episode on werewolves, but mm-hmm. someone becomes a werewolf unwillingly by a curse or after being bitten, which mm-hmm. is exactly what happens on Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. So, they were pretty historically accurate there. 
In Native American... Vampire Diaries is known for its historical uh, accuracy. Right. Uh, in Native American traditions, werewolves are more in tune with... They're more like what, what is known as skinwalkers. We can do a whole episode on skinwalker ranch. I was just about to say, in, um, I'm a big Yellowstone fan. Mm-hmm. There's, there's oh, the yeah. show Yellowstone. And they there's like a whole side weird moment that has to do with a wolf that is oh, very yeah. like symbolic. So these skinwalkers or witches, they are known to disguise themselves as animals to prey on their victims. So were the people of Mobile subjected to a skinwalker or a, a werewolf? Possibly, but no one was actually harmed. And normally werewolves and skinwalkers like to eat people. So another explanation, which if you didn't listen to the last episode on the Jungle Book, a feral child from Alabama, a wolf child running around, wolf little girl that has one leg. Hannah says she doesn't have one leg. But no, she had some pretty sizable breasts. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't think this was a a girl. No, no, if anything, this would be like a a she-wolf, like like a mama wolf. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe she's out there Could raising be. all those feral children. Could be. And maybe yeah. she just grew some really long hair. Maybe. But she had the face of a woman, no hair. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll post that photo. There are plenty of more stories in the book. There are. So we've so we've got kind of two options that we can do in the new in the new year. Mm-hmm. Which we'll have another episode before. We could just do spooky spots around the USA. Well, we've got yeah, we've got all the South to bring you. Mm-hmm. But then we'll we'll try to branch out and, and bring you some stories from some other states. Yeah. And we'll bring you a little bit more Alabama folklore. Yeah. Because we, we didn't even get to do Hug and Molly. We want to, yeah. We want to just wait for Hug and Molly. I don't even know about Hug and Molly, but it sounds she's, terrifying. She's, I'm just imagining a demon named Molly that wants to hug you. Not, you heard, yeah. it, you heard it here first. Yep. So anyway, I don't know what we'll be doing. We have one more episode left in December. Something festive. Yeah, we'll do... Uh, this one, This theme was home for the holidays. There you go. We'll try to home bring... Home for the haunt... Haunted, haunted days. days. Yep. Home for the haunted mm-hmm. days. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do something discuss. festive. If you have any ideas, let us know. But until next time, you can follow us on... Scary Tales Podcast. On Instagram. On man. Instagram. And uh, let us can... know if you want t-shirts with what was my it? little ride. I survived. Well, we I, got, survived. I survived the Fife UFO. Yep. The UFO and Fife. Yep. And there I had a bird whose name was Enza. I opened the door and influenza. There you go. There's two shirts for you right there. Don't, it's copyrighted Scary Tales Podcast. Hannah and Lacey 2020. Oh, Red. Yeah. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye.